again, my name is Pastor Bill. It is good to see everybody here on this summer day, which is like humid to refrigerator and back, right? Is this awesome or what? Where else can you get this experience? We are continuing a sermon series that I'm pretty stoked about. It's called Travel Light. I thought, well, with the summer, everybody travels, so we'll talk about traveling. But this isn't geographic travel. This is a journey of the heart. This is spiritual transformation that we're talking about. So here's where we've been, where we're going. Last week, we talked about working out. Now we're going to talk about working up. Next, we're going to talk about how to work through and work toward. If at any point you want to go back and catch any of these, we have a YouTube channel, we have a Facebook, we have our website. You can catch all of these things in the past, and you will never miss a sermon. That is our money-back guarantee. So this morning, we're talking about working up, and I want to get started with a question, and here's the question. Have you ever longed for something so much that you would do anything to get that? Anybody with me on this? No? Just me? Okay. Well, when I was a young boy, uh, I saw this advertisement, and I'm going to have to explain for the younger generation. This was a mail order thing. That was back before Amazon existed, and you didn't get it delivered overnight. You just you sent in a check to some place that you didn't know, and then they would fill the order and send it back in the mail. Now, expected delivery time could be 8 to 12 weeks, and when you're a young kid, that's like a lifetime, right? But I had to have this. This is what I had to have. <laughs> for some reason, I was reading a magazine, and I saw an advertisement for a K-Bar U.S. Marine fighting knife. What little boy wouldn't want that, right? <laughs> Knowing that I was the youngest in the family, and this was my tool for survival, this is what I had to have. And for, I don't know why I was so fascinated by this thing. I thought, well, if the Marines use it, it must be good, and that would make me tough. Or imagine the jungles I could slay with a K-Bar. Imagine the havoc I could wreak, right? Whatever young boys think. I don't know. So I went to my parents and said, hey, I want the K-Bar. Dad said, cool. Mom was mortified. <laughs> it's like, no, there's no way. And he said, let him earn the money for it. If he can earn the money for it, and he can wait for it, he can have it. And so it was on. Now, the way that I was earning money back then, I was, I was hoping to do anything that I could. My brothers had a lawn mowing business that they started, I say business loosely, right? They, wanted, they went around and they asked all the neighbors, and so my two older brothers had all these lawns that they would mow, and they would make money. And I said, hey, can I mow the lawns this week and just take the money? And they're like, no. <laughs> you know, supportive older brothers. They said, you know what we'll do? We'll make you a deal. Uh, when we empty the bags, every bag that you fill, not, not the lawnmower bag, the hefty bag, every bag that you fill will give you five cents. Now, I was not a business person back then. <laughs> I am still not one. And I said, great, because I didn't care. I had to have the K-bar, right? So in the sweltering heat, I loaded five-cent laundry bags until I, and it wasn't, by the way, just $2. Uh, mine was 12 plus postage. Yeah, uh, this is serious stuff, but I had to have it. So I was out there in the sweltering heat, and I did whatever it took, and I loaded bag after bag after bag until I had $12 plus postage. I wrote my thing in. I sent it. I was like, all right, this is coming now. Nine weeks later, <laughs> actually about 10, I think, if I remember right, I don't know, a lifetime for a kid, the K-Bar arrived. Oh, I was so happy to unwrap that box. My mom was still mortified. My dad still said, cool, this is great. <laughs> So he taught me how to sharpen it. I said, cool, back to him. And mom was even more mortified until dad explained, you know, if he does cut himself, a sharper cut's easier to stitch back up. 
not helpful, not helpful at all. Mom was not any more comfortable with me having a K-bar knife, but it, so it was. And so I carried that thing with me everywhere until I realized, hey, this thing's kind of bulky. You know, it kind of gets in the way. It kind of cuts into my maneuvering, right? But for, for a summer, at least, I had a K-bar knife, and it was my world, man. It was everything. Now, ask me where that K-bar knife is today. No clue. I, I don't know where it is. I, I know, right? <laughs> it hurts my heart. He doesn't know where that K-bar knife is. It hurts my heart, but I don't know where it is. Somewhere in all the moves, it got lost or shuffled or someone picked it up. Or, I don't know. But why is it that I, this thing that I could not live without, this thing that I was willing to do five cents a bag until I got $12 plus postage, all of a sudden wasn't important to me anymore? And I think that's a metaphor for some of our Christian life, isn't it? There's this, or not Christian life, just life in general. There are things that we just must have. And we will do anything that it takes to get that thing. And then we realize that thing is not all that thing. And, and then we search again and again. And the, and the unfortunate part is a lot of times when we go through life, we, we meet these situations where we think something's going to fulfill us. And for a time it does. And then it doesn't. And there's two logical conclusions to this path that we take in life. And one is, we just give up hope. I'm never going to find what fulfills me. Uh, to quote the famous song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? No matter what I do, it's a new thing, and it's bright and shiny for a time. And then the, the luster wears off, and I'm unfulfilled. So hopelessness tends to set in. And that's the most tragic of all, because you see people who are living but not alive. You know what I mean by that? The, the lights are on, no one's home. How many other metaphors can I come up with? They're, they're dying inside, or they've already died inside. There, there is no hope. But there's another lesser thing that I think more of us fall victim to, and I call it the other shoe syndrome. Because things are going good, you know, life is good, I should be fulfilled. But there's this gnawing feeling in my gut that that other shoe's about to drop and something's going to happen, and I'll be unfulfilled again. Am I the only one that feels these things? Yes, Bill, you're the only one. Great, that's, that's super encouragement. So, hi, my name is Bill. I am an unfulfilled... Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll just make this my therapy group and you can listen in. All right, so um, what we're going to talk about this morning is how, how do we prevent that? How do we get around that? We're going to turn to Psalm 42 if you're playing the home game or if you've got it on an app that you want to follow along. Uh, Psalm 42, let me give you a little bit of a setting. The song that we just sang set it up perfectly. Is a deer panteth for the water. That, that, uh, nobody speaks that way anymore. Uh, how, how often have you panteth for water? Um, deer pants for water, right? So what we're going to read is verses 1 through 5, but I need to give a little bit of setting here first because they think that this psalm was probably written by David in a time of uh, being pursued by his son Absalom. For the brief 25-second history, David was king. His son Absalom did a revolt for a time, claimed the kingships. David fled into the wilderness and was literally running for his life. He was pursued by Absalom's forces. And so they think this is the time when David writes this. And so just listen to uh, verses 1 through 5 here momentarily. And, oh, watcha. Whoops, I double tapped. There we go. All right, Matt, you got the transition for me? He's on it. Good wingman. All right, here's what it says. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. 
How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Can you hear the desperation in what he's doing there? Can you hear how desperately he longs to get back to God? I wonder if any of you have heard that same desperation in your prayers, in your quiet time. I know that occasionally in life we, we go through these struggles and we long for God like that. But do we really understand what, what's going on here? Let's, let's pick this verse apart. We're just going to go pick this apart a little bit at a time. And I'm going to start right here. As a deer pants for streams of water. You say, now, Bill, I know what you're doing. It's summertime. We're dehydrated. We need to drink. This is your public service announcement for preventing dehydration. Yeah, that's my sole goal today, <laughs> for you to drink water. No, but the deer panting for streams of water. Now, here's an interesting thing. When you read that, we don't talk like that anymore. We don't really talk about deer panting. And the funny thing was, when I went for the image that you see behind me, I Googled images for deer pant. Did you know you can buy buckskin trousers for 180 bucks right now? <laughs> I found them on Etsy if anybody's interested. <laughs> but eventually I found this. So here's, here's an interesting fact. You may be thinking, well, the deer is just hot or maybe a little dehydrated. You know, like dogs, they pant to, to cool themselves off. So deer must do the same. Au contraire, they do not. Deer do not pant because they're hot. In fact, deer get most of their water from about 95% of their water from the stuff that they eat. They don't really need to chase after water. So what's this deal with the deer panting after water? Well, there is one time that deer pant for water, and that's when they can't stop to eat because they're being relentlessly pursued by a predator. Like, there's no time to stop and eat. There's not even time to stop and drink. I just run, run, run. And you see uh, what they called... Um, Ah, the, the name escapes me. It's basically long-distance hunting, right? A, a predator doesn't have to be fast or swift. They just have to be persistent, and they will run that deer literally to death because what happens is when the deer doesn't stop to eat or the deer can't stop to drink, eventually they do get dehydrated, and they're not panting because they're trying to get cool. They're panting because the effects of dehydration in the body, and, and we do the same thing. Physically, when we get dehydrated, uh, the blood flow is not as optimal as it should be because we can't carry the oxygen to the places it needs to be. So what's the body's compensation? Well, you breathe harder and faster and trying to pump more blood in an effort to get the oxygen in all the places it needs to be. But that physical dehydration continues and we become weakened and we become fatigued and we can't keep going. And eventually we succumb to the relentless pursuit of that predator. I wish that were all it was. But then it also begins to affect our minds as well. And this is true of deer and of humans. We begin to have cognitive impairment. That means we don't think well. We start to make really poor decisions. We, we tend not to be able to reason like we used to, all because of a lack of water. There, there's also an inability to recover like we should. Like you stop and rest for a second, you should be refreshed. You should be able to go on. But no, there is no stopping and there's no refreshment, and your body's ability to repair itself, your body's ability to bounce back is inhibited because of this dehydration. And if this were us, we would be panting too. I wonder how many of us in the spiritual sense 
are panting because we're relentlessly pursued by something in our spirit, something that is an enemy to what God would want for us. And we find ourselves panting, longing for the presence of God. But that's what it means to pant for water. As I listen to stories of people around, whether it's online, uh, on podcasts, in person, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who are being relentlessly pursued. It might be your health. It might be your finances. It might be your marriage relationship. It might be your job. It might be your school. But we are all being relentlessly pursued. That's just a fact of this world that we live in. So the question is, how do I not be relentlessly pursued? The question is, how do I find peace, strength, the ability to make good decisions, the ability to bounce back while being relentlessly pursued? That's the real question. Well, fortunately, David, who has experience in this, is going to give us the answer today. So let's start in. He asks, when can I go and meet with God? Understanding that David in that time, the, the presence of God was in the temple in Jerusalem. Well, David couldn't go and meet God because that's where Absalom and his forces were. He was constantly running around. I imagine in his mind, he remembered the days when he could go and sit at the temple and, and experience the presence of God, uh, or the tabernacle, I guess I should say in his case. I'm, I'm saying temple, I'm getting ahead of myself. The tabernacle, God's presence. See, the, the good news for us is we no longer have to go to a geographic location. Bill, did you just say we don't have to come to church? That's not what I said. <laughs> what I am saying is God does not live in a geographic place. Uh, maybe you've heard this guy named Jesus Christ who died on a cross. Uh, maybe you've heard of the Holy Spirit that he sends in his place. That Holy Spirit is here and among us. That Holy Spirit awaits an invitation from us, and we can meet with God 24-7. Anytime you need, God is present. It always amazes me, and I used to do this myself. I would pray for, uh, God, please be here. Please be present. And I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just making an observation. If God is everywhere all the time, why do I need to pray for him to be present? He's already here. You know what I'm really praying for? Here, here's what I mean when I say that. God, please make me aware that you're always here. Because sometimes I forget. And I can't blame anybody for getting, I mean, when you're relentlessly pursued by a predator, you tend to forget God's presence. That doesn't mean that he's not there. It just means that we don't feel him. So the prayer really is, make me aware. Where can I go and meet God? Right here, right now, anytime you need. That's one thing that we need to remember. That's one thing that David did hold on to. And I'll show you why in here in a minute. Then he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? He knows God's capabilities. He knows what God has done. I mean, look at the life of David up to this point. He's done amazing things. You've heard of David and Goliath. You've heard of all the victories that he had, all the struggles that he had to become king. God showed up in David's life in amazing ways, and he knows that in his memory. The question is, does he know it elsewhere? Why are you downcast, O oh, my soul? If you remember back uh, the sermon series where we talked about uh, I shall not want, the Psalm 23, in the second one of those, number two, the restorer, if you want to go back uh, on the website or the YouTube channel, number two, the restorer, I shall not want. We talked about sheep that get cast down. See, there's a point where you can actually, the sheep turn over, and, and it's literally the commercial for I've fallen and I can't get back up. <laughs> they can't get back up. 
and they will die there unless the shepherd comes along and puts them back aright. This is exactly what David is saying to his soul. My soul, why are you downcast? Why have I gotten to a point where I can no longer fix this myself? Have you ever been to a point where you can't fix it yourself? Uh, if you haven't, you will. <laughs> Got any more good news, Bill? <laughs> yeah. No, this is the world we live in. If you haven't been there to the point where you can't get yourself back upright, you probably will. That's the bad news. The good news is, I know someone that can set you aright. And I bet you know him too. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? That's what David is asking of himself. He knows that God can put him upright, and this is part of his prayer. Here's the key to this whole passage, if you ask me. My soul thirsts for God. See, when we're thirsty physically, that's one thing. We get signals, we get thirsty, we drink some water, and it's all good. That's, that's all physical, right? And some mental, as we, as we discovered. Everything is linked together. But that's just the material world. That's the water that we drink. That's the body that we inhabit, a mind that we use. This is a far, far deeper level. My soul thirsts for God. What does it mean for a soul to thirst for God? That's at a level that we can't even comprehend. And I got more good news, bad news for you. Uh, uh, the bad news is anything else that we try to satisfy ourselves with will never satisfy us. You will never be satisfied in that certain relationship in the way that you think it should be. You will never be satisfied in that job in that way that you think it should be. You will never be fully satisfied in that whatever you want to fill in that blank. That's the bad news. Here's why. We are wired to be fully satisfied in God and in God alone. That's the way that he made us. Back in the beginning, in the garden, that was the whole point. We are never fully satisfied until we are satisfied in God. Now, if we can pull that off, then we can be satisfied in that relationship, in that job, in that circumstance, because we know that this relationship is solid. It's my soul that thirsts for God. Now, notice right before that, he says, uh, my soul pants for you, my God. And I want to stop here for a second because there's a big contrast between thirsting for God and panting for God. Panting for God means we've gone too long without God. We've been relentlessly pursued, and we have focused on the predator, not the Savior. That's not to say that this isn't very real. It's all very real. Trust me. Again, if you haven't experienced it, you will. But panting for God means I have, I have not held on to that relationship like I should. I've not been in his presence, even though he's been around me. I've not encountered him in a way that I'm letting him into my heart to change my, my life. And remember, this whole journey of traveling life, this is about spiritual transformation. So if we really, truly want to transform into the image of Christ, it can't just be an outside thing. It can't be the motions that I go through, the words that I say. It has to be a heart change. And if we want to truly change our hearts, well, only Christ and the Holy Spirit can do that. So until we get to the point where we just thirst for God and we go back on a regular basis and quench that thirst for God by spending time with him, Bill, how do I do that? Well, we already know the answers. I bet if I polled you, you could come up with ways that we could get closer to God. It might be prayer. It might be what you're doing right now. And that's why we don't stop going to church, by the way. It might be meditation on scripture. It might be a small group that you get together and support each other and ask questions, the hard questions. 
and, and then carry each other through life's journey. Whatever it is, you know what it is to thirst for God. But my plea is that, Lord, sir, we don't let it get to where we're panting for God, that we've neglected that so long that we can't even catch our spiritual breath, that we feel cornered in on, on every side, and there's nothing that we can do about it. That's never true. Uh, not, not with this God. So my full soul thirst for God, I think, is the whole key to this thing. And the thing that always amazes me uh, about the psalmists, uh, especially the psalms of lament, are two things. One, in a psalm of lament, they're no holding back. They're not sugarcoating this. They're saying it like it is. Why is all this bad stuff happening? Why, why, why? They're asking all these hard questions. They're, they're angry. They're shouting. They're, they're saying it like it is because God is big enough to handle that. But in every psalm, if you read far enough, you will find this message of hope. Look at the end of this particular passage. Uh, sorry, I, I jumped ahead. But let me pause for just a second to say there are some consequences for a panting soul. All right, so we talked about the difference between the panting soul where we're pursued relentlessly and the thirsting soul where we're regularly going to God. Think about some of the consequences of a panting soul, a soul that is so dehydrated in the spirit. Well, you're going to have physical limitations. Now, what does that mean? As a Christian, I will find fatigue in my walk with Christ. As a community of Christians, I sometimes wonder as I look at this world around us, have we lost the energy to make a difference in the world? Are we so fatigued that we'll just accept whatever comes? The other aspect of this, this dehydration spiritually, we don't make the best decisions. Again, look at the news. There's people making some really weird decisions these days. Where is the, the compass that guides us? Where is the, the moral ground that we can stand on that is non-moving? Where's the solid rock? Is it because we're panting for God that we no longer see these things? And, and how long, body of Christ, are we willing to let this happen without saying something, without doing something? I'm not talking about open warfare. I'm not talking about going be belligerent in people's faces. I'm saying, why don't we live a life that shows what it can be like to rely on that God? Why don't we show the thirst for God and actually spend time being hydrated by the Spirit so that everything we do is a reflection of Christ, so that everything we say, even everything we think, becomes a reflection of God? The world desperately needs to see that. Jesus knows this. That's why he gave us a great commission to go and make disciples. It's not just a numbers game to him. It's not like, how many people can I get on my team? It's, this is the way we will transform the world. This is the way that Jesus will transform the world through us. There's a better way to say that. So the consequences of a panting soul have drastic consequences in your personal life, but they also have drastic consequences in the circles that we run in. Our families, our communities, our schools, our nation, our world. We can't afford to be a panting soul people, but we can afford to be a thirsty people. And that's going to be my encouragement today. Let me get back to now the psalm. Here's the one thing that always amazes me about the psalm. No matter how bad it gets, there's always an element of hope. Look at the very end of this verse. No matter all this stuff, David is being pursued. His own son has betrayed him, thrown him out of the kingdom. He's being literally chased for his life. If they catch him, He's a goner. And this is what he says. Despite all this stuff, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, 
my Savior and my God. See, now that's a thirsting soul. That's a soul that finally, no matter the circumstances, no matter how pursued he is, he is taking time to go, wait a minute, I'm going to drink this in because this is my hope. I have one. I will yet praise him. My hope in God is well-founded. He has proven what he will do in the past. He is unchanging. He is steadfast. His mercies are new each morning. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. See, we have the rest of the story that David didn't even have as we watch the life of Jesus Christ. We have centuries of being able to talk about all this. We have an advantage over David in this regard. But my question is, do we use that advantage? Nah, maybe, maybe not. So we put our hope in God. And I, I know what you're probably asking, Bill, if, if this is what we do, if this is we put our hope in God and God never fails us, never leaves us, never forsakes us, why is this so hard? Great question. For starters, that's a great question. But let me ask you this. When do you drink the most? When you're satisfied or when you're thirsty? I'm convinced that a lot of my problems, and I don't know, maybe this speaks to you too, a lot of my problems are me. I don't need God. I'm strong. I don't need to listen to him. I know what to do. I know best, in fact. I can do this on my own, and I don't need any help. I've got a K-bar knife, right? I'm not willing to drink from God if I think I've got it under control. It's in those moments when I don't have it under control that I am most willing to drink what God has to offer. Those living waters, maybe you've heard about them. They're fantastic. Augustine, I think, said it best when he said this, because God has made us for himself, our hearts are restless until they rest in him. We're never going to find satisfaction anywhere else except in God. And we can try a million different things, and people do. They'll try a new relationship. They'll try drugs or alcohol. They'll try escapism. They'll try walking out. They'll try workaholism. They'll try a million different things. And they will always be restless until we get this part right. That's bad news. But again, the good news, turn that around. If we get this right, we can be satisfied in every aspect of our lives. Now, is this a one and done? Like, I, I, I drink the Kool-Aid and I'm good for life? Nope. <laughs> well said. Do you drink water once and you're never thirsty again? No, we drink every day. In fact, you don't last very long without water. That's just another sad fact of life. Our souls won't last very long without God's water, without God's living water continually coursing through us. So this is my plea, word serve, to find that thing for you. And it probably might be more than one thing. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in scripture. Spend time meditating. Spend time around people who thirst for God, but don't pant for God. And if you find someone panting for God, try to get them from panting to thirsting. It's a huge difference. Jesus knew this too, because he said this when asked, what is the greatest commandment? You love God with all your heart, and what else? Soul and mind. Yeah, because God knows that we long, we thirst in our souls. So my encouragement to us as we go forward is to stay thirsty, my friends. To quote a famous commercial, probably not for what the commercial recommends, 
but for what God can give us. Because if we're panting, we're doomed. We're in big trouble. But if we're thirsty, we will drink what God has to give. And the world and us and our families and everyone we know will be the better for it. That's the plan. Stay thirsty, my friends. Will you pray with me, please? God, forgive us when we pursue our fulfillment in all these different things. There are so many things in this world, God, that will tell you that they will satisfy. It's a consumer culture, and we're guilty of it. We chase after the things that we think will bring us fulfillment. And God, when they don't, we continually get disappointed, and God forbid we even give up our relationship with you because we think that's part of the problem. God, help us to go deeper this morning. Help us to go deeper than this world, deeper than the material things, even deeper than the things that we can see on a regular basis. Help us to find the very heart of you. Help your spirit to pour into us today. Help us to stay thirsty for you and to regularly commune with you, to open that Bible, to read, to take time to meditate and to pray, to listen, to experience you in your fullness. God, replenish us, restore us. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the ability to see clearly and make good decisions. Most of all, God, give us the ability to walk by you and in, in the steps that you lay before us in every day, regardless of our plans. Direct our steps. Let people see Christ living in us. And may you get all the glory, honor, and praise. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.